Master Mott. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show about God's truth in today's society from a multi-generational pastoral perspective. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of Aletheia Bible Fellowship's Project Vigilance, a web portal that provides internet Christians out there with helpful content and insights. We're produced by ABF's Vigilance Radio Network. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org, where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about us. At the top of the show today, let's remember to help us spread this content by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this episode. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and join our Facebook group where you can stay up to date on this and all our programming. You can find it at vrn.abf on Facebook. Now that all that's said, I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this is Pastor Monty. Welcome to Truth Time. I am Pastor Monty, and today we're going to continue our discussion in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, uh, and then also continue our discussion about siblings. Uh, you might note that uh, Pastor Josh is uh, not with us this week. He's uh, on vacation, and, uh, and so uh, uh, Jacob Browning, one of our uh, uh, elders in training, is uh, sitting in for him today. Uh, taking the hot seat, and we will uh, enjoy, enjoy a discussion uh, with Jacob as he uh, shares insight as well as we look at God's Word and uh, continue to address the issue of how do we live to bring glory to Jesus Christ as his disciples. So let's uh, start out by uh, looking at uh, the Christ factor. So we are in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we have been uh, diligently trying to get through this. Um, we've only been able to tackle one or two verses at a time just because the, uh, the subject matter is, is so meaty, uh, yet we'll continue to try to do that. So let's start out at uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll start with verse 16 and look at uh, 16 through 22 and kind of digest some of what's here. So uh, the Apostle Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Well, as you can tell, there's quite a um, quite a bunch of stuff there. So let's mm-hmm. let's begin with the uh, uh, as he starts out in in verse 16 there, uh, where he says, um, you know, that we are to uh, rejoice always. 
And the importance of understanding that for the believer uh, is uh, paramount because um, I think that that there are a lot of believers that really don't grasp the the uh, the importance of this issue. What it really has to do with is it has to do with uh, sovereignty. It has to do with understanding who's in control. And um, you know, I I I you know I teasingly uh, tell people um, when this discussion comes up that when I was uh, when I was a young man like you. You know, Jacob, I uh, I thought I had control over a lot of things. But now that I'm an old man, uh, I realize I have little control over anything. Yeah. And particularly when it comes to things like, you know, my body. <laughs> like, you know, I'm awake by 2.30, 3 o'clock, whether I want to be or not. Ah. And so that's one of the reasons why I drive for Lyft, you know, because, because I might as well be doing something productive. Right. You know, while I'm up that early, um, but uh, it's particularly annoying, like on vacation time, or where I don't have something productive to do because you know I'm just awake like that. Um, but you know, back in the day, um, probably, well, probably before you were born, there was uh, there was a preacher named Oral Roberts. You ever hear of him? No. Oral Roberts University. Uh, Oral Roberts was a, a charismatic preacher and uh, has a fascinating story how God used him. And he wrote a book that uh, where he uh, delineates and talks about the fact that as believers, we need to learn how to rejoice in everything. Mm. We need to learn how to um, give thanks in everything that we are addressing that come that comes our way and uh, and and then he goes on to explain that's because of the understanding of the sovereignty of god right as is as disciples if we are if we are uh, children of god and we recognize that we live to bring glory to him we also recognize therefore as his children that he watches over us then that means that there isn't anything that happens to us. Even those things that we perceive as being uh, difficult, uh, there isn't anything that happens to us, but what God can use that to bring glory to himself. Right. Uh, what's your experience with that? Have you found that to be true? Yeah, definitely. Um, what I've found in my own personal life is that uh, – if I'm doing it again according to my own will or my own wanting, right. it actually takes away from God, um, and then it becomes failure. Mm-hmm. Um, even on a personal level, just disregarding how it's affecting God, it's failure towards myself. And so, unfortunately, it was kind of like a do-or-die situation, um, but it was also a watershed moment when I found out that if I was completely to submit myself to God um, through the Holy Spirit, he'll um, be working through me for taking the sinful nature of myself and using it for his glory. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so, so if we understand that God is sovereign, we understand that we are his children as disciples of Christ, then... Um, then those things that come our way that we're not uh, happy about, 
or that we're having difficulty with, we struggle with, we can, uh, we can pray and ask God to, uh, to, to help us to, to, to bring us through what we're dealing with, uh, to even, uh, we can pray that he take away uh, the issue, but again, in Scripture, we see that, you know, for example, there are sometimes just because, and there's a whole movement out there um, th- that incorrectly uh, uses Scripture where they talk about, you know, the, 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 na- the name it and claim it crew. You know, the name it and claim it crew, they're like, you know, if you've got heartache and you've got uh, medical issues and you've got this and you've got that, all you have to do is pray, and God will take that from you. Oh, yeah. And there are people that believe that. Yeah. And then, even worse, they go on to say, you know, if he, if he hasn't taken it from you, then you have faith issues. Right. Your faith is just not strong enough. I've heard that. Because, you know, if, uh, because Jesus said, if you have uh, faith strong enough, you can tell the mountain to move, and it will move. Mm-hmm. And this is your mountain, mm-hmm. and you just need to have more faith. Right. That, my friends, is biblical bovine excrement. That is just not what Scripture teaches. There are some things that, as believers, God needs us to walk through so that he might perfect in us the work that he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's you, you just don't know how detrimental it is for you to say to a brother or sister in Christ who is struggling that, you know, you, you, you just don't have enough faith. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really, uh, that's, that's, that's bad form. It's disregarding God's hand in that person's life. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an encouragement. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if, if you have been guilty of that, then you need to repent of that because that, that is just not accurate. You know, take, uh, you know, take uh, the instance where my wife, for example, you know, uh, lives with her cancer. Mm. You know, you know who the, the, there are those out there who have said, well, you know, if you just pray enough, God will take that cancer from you. Mm. You know, if you <laughs> let me tell you, there are I have run into few. Uh, as godly a woman as my wife is. Um, it has nothing to do with, you know, um, pray, pray and it will be removed. And, and you know, the Apostle Paul, uh, he talks about the fact that, you know, he had this, now we, we think, we're not sure because he never really says what it is, um, we think that it had to do with his eyesight. Uh. But, you know, he talks about the fact that he had a thorn in the flesh and, and uh he prayed that God remove it, and right. God didn't remove it, and he just accepted that, uh, you know, he he need to deal with that. And that is the scriptural model, is to rejoice, first of all. So rejoice always. Be thankful to God for his work in you, and then pray without ceasing. Pray when you get up. Pray when you, when, you know, when you lay down. Pray when you're... You know when you're doing things, uh, and and you know we have we have lots of opportunity for us to uh, to pray nowadays because we have uh, so much leisure uh, time ahead of us. Or if you're driving from place to place, you know you can pray when you're driving. Mm-hmm. 
In fact, I'd prefer that some of you p- pray when you're driving. I'm I'm certainly pray when I watch some of some people. Oh pray. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of people need prayer. Yeah, especially in that chaotic environment. Yeah. So, um, so I guess from this passage, what I would remind you is that is that rejoice. You know, when you when you rejoice in what you're going through, you open up the possibility for God to work through that which you're going through. Um, But if you, if you don't, if you complain and you murmur and you know, you just, you, you dread going through it, then you're going to have um, difficulty because you're not resting in the sovereignty of God. Now here's the other thing, you know, when you pray without ceasing, um, the, the idea of praying and rejoicing is that you're giving honor to God and you're lifting up that which is a burden to you. You're lifting it up and saying, here, God, take this. I can't handle it, but take it. Yeah. And, and uh, I give it to you and, and uh, you know, uh, help me through your spirit to be able to endure this. What do you think happens when we turn around in the next moment and we take it back? We're, we're taking it from him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think one of the biggest things here that Paul is talking about is um, praying um, in a consistent way and as often as possible being thankful, um, not asking for more and praying so much that you're um, kind of making a deal. Okay, I'll talk to you, but it's out of, uh, what you've promised to give me already, but it's more you're thankful for what he has given you already. So what more could you possibly need? Right. So when we rejoice, when we when we uh, pray without ceasing, when we give thanks to God for all of these things, then we are squarely, according to the Apostle Paul, we're squarely within the will of God. Mm-hmm. That's where God wants us to be. He wants us to be resting in him. Uh, even through those things that uh, you know that we have to um, we have to go through, you know, if you look at uh, you know if you look at for example, well, let's just take knives for example. Have you, you ever watched this, the program Forged in Steel? Um, I've watched an episode. Yeah, and so Forged in Steel is a program, one of those programs on. Uh, I think it's the Discovery Channel, but I'm not sure. But it seems like that. But they uh, they make knives. They make knives and swords and yeah. and other types of deal, and it's a fascinating process to watch the uh, to watch them heat up the metal. So basically, what you're doing is you're heating up the metals so that you can work with them, and then uh, and then oftentimes you're combining different metals in order to strengthen what it is that you're working with, mm-hmm. and then there's a there's a cool dust so the, so you heat it up, hammer it out to where you want it to be. And then you instantly cool it down, uh, in in order to allow it to be able to uh, form together. And there are processes that some of the best. Um, so people who know how to do this, and that's that's what they do. Um, they uh, there are literally processes for those who make like uh, samurai swords in Japan, and various other types of swords that um, there's a perfection to how it is that they do that. But the, the, 
the the metal that they're working with has to be tempered a particular way. And the more that it's tempered and the way that it's tempered, the stronger it becomes. Right. But if it's not tempered, if it's not done correctly, then when you try to use it, it can break. Yeah. Which it obviously defeats the purpose of what you're you know, making the sword for. The same thing with the life of the believer. You know, you cannot, you can't stand against sin if you don't, um, if, if you're not tested and you don't have practice in doing it. Yeah. You know, you, you, it's the, uh, you don't, you won't know how to respond. Say, I always, uh, I always love the illustration where, where, um, where you're looking at the Lord's prayer, for example, or not the Lord's prayer, but the, uh. You know, uh, yeah, not no, no, not the Lord's Prayer, but the uh, Psalm twenty-three, where you're talking about you know walking through the shadow of mm-hmm. shadow of the uh, the valley of the shadow of death. Fear no evil. Yeah, I will fear no evil for you know for the rod and thy staff they comfort me. The the uh, the importance mm-hmm. of understanding that is you know look if you're if you are going through um, a struggle with an issue, you know I. It, uh, d- Choose, choose your issue. If you're going with, uh, you know, you have problems with uh, smoking, let's say, or you have problems with uh, gossip, or you have problem, you have sexual issues, um, and you're struggling to go through that. Look, if you pray before God and you ask God to take that from you, uh, and He performs a miracle and allows that to be removed, well, that's wonderful. Praise the Lord. But Scripture admonishes us that as a body, we are to encourage one another and we are to come alongside those that are struggling. Right. So when you have a brother or sister in Christ who's struggling uh, with a particular deal and your only experience is that God was gracious to you and removed a, a, a sin from you or removed an area of temptation from you, your response to your brother or sister is going to be exactly like one of those uh, BS ones that, uh, you know, you just need more faith. Yeah, you're not doing it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so you, you know, you take, on, you take on a little attitude. Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> Self-entitled. <coughs> yeah, absolutely. But if you yourself have walked through the valley of the shadow of death, if you have struggled and you have learned how to rest in that struggle if you have overcome in that particular area then you have something to draw on when you have a brother or sister who's struggling right. you have something that you can come alongside and say i know what that's like because i've been there right and these are some of the things that helped me uh, you know as i've been there or you know what is very beneficial my wife tells me this because uh, some people just like to be talkers uh no no i'm quiet actually um you might not believe that you know with me at the microphone i'm really a quiet guy but um there are some people when they come alongside somebody that's struggling they can't keep their mouth shut Mm. you know some people just want to have their arm put around them and and to be consoled i feel like that's a mask for what's really going on yeah yeah i've seen that before so so those are some things that so the Apostle Paul is really uh, giving us a major uh, point of encouragement. Yeah, 
I think that um, it's important to remember when you do see people just constantly talking and trying to get the limelight off of themselves and putting on to others, that's when you really need to hone in on what is actually going on with this person and asking them, hey, man, are you all right? Is there something that you're struggling with? Let's talk about it because odds are they are probably struggling with something too. Now, the Apostle Paul continues in his thought, and he changes his thought just a little, and he says, uh, uh, first of all, he says um, not to quench the Spirit. Not to quench the Spirit. So Mm -hmm. when you hear, uh, you know, uh, as, uh, as Baptists, we don't really talk a lot about, you know, about the spiritual type things in regard to, you know, the working of the Holy Spirit in supernatural ways. So we don't really talk about, uh, you know, Baptists. First of all, if you, if, you, if you try to get a Baptist to raise their hands, that's painful. Baptists just can't raise their hands. Mm. You know, like you're in a Pentecostal church. They're like, hallelujah. Yeah. Their hands are up in the air and they're just praising God. If you, uh, you know... Uh, try to encourage a Baptist church to, you know, raise their hands. They're like, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Just off um, the pew. That's yeah, they, they, you know, they can, they can barely let go. Yeah. But uh, the Apostle Paul encourages the church here at Thessalonica that they're not to quench the Spirit. They're not to quench the working of the Holy Spirit right. in the life of the believer. And, of course, we have gone over uh, in past episodes, Pastor Josh and I have gone over uh, spiritual gifts and have gone over uh, how it is that God manifests himself within the body in regard to spiritual gifts. And uh, Pastor Josh has a wonderful little booklet that talks about spiritual gifts that goes into more detail about that. But the Holy Spirit manifests himself in a number of ways in the life of the believer. And sometimes it's in ways that uh, normal people, they don't, they don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know? And sometimes you have things going on that, uh, that proclaim to be of God, but they're not. Now, you know, remember that, that uh, um, and I, I know you've watched some of my episodes before, Jacob, so you're, you're pretty much aware that the uh, there are ways that you can tell whether something is of the Holy Spirit of God or not. Right. Because the Holy Spirit, uh, first of all, the working of the Holy Spirit uh, never draws attention to himself. Mm-mm. Always to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And never draws attention to the participant, so the believer, you and I. Mm-hmm. He, never, he never puts the focus of attention there. But yeah. again, the attention is drawn towards Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit doesn't operate outside of the parameters of what God uh, allows. Mm-hmm. So there are some things that we can know whether something is of God or is not. And so first of all, he says, don't quench the Spirit, which is what we've been talking about here. He says... Do not despise prophecies. Now, again, you know, um, Baptists have difficulty with this because we're not too keen on on prophecies. 
But if you went to a Pentecostal church, and let me tell you, you know, our our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, they're, they're brothers and sisters. They love the Lord too. They just like to show it in a different way. So, um, but the core beliefs are still uh, present. And so, but they, they love prophecies. They love things like people, you know, having a vision. Right. Or they love, uh, uh, they love uh, the, showy, the showiness of speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're all about, you know, uh, getting excited and having the hands up and hallelujah and, and, and the whole thing. The Apostle Paul says, don't, don't, don't stifle that. Yeah. You know, but what does he say? He says, so don't, don't quench the spirit. Don't, uh, don't, you know, make fun of or put down prophecies. He says, he says, in fact, he uses a rather strong terminology here. Mm -hmm. He says, do not despise. Don't hate those prophecies. But what are you to do? You are to test them. Yeah. Ask where they're coming from. You are to test them. So if somebody's prophesying and they're not talking uh, in regard to, so they're not, they're, they're talking about something brand new, which is not true to scripture. No, no. If they're, uh, if they're lifting up the person or they're lifting up somebody other than Jesus Christ or there's lifting up self, no, not of the spirit. So he, he tells them, you know, don't despise, don't hate prophecies, but test, test them to see whether or not what is being said it rings true in Scripture. So, you know, and, and this and remember that with prophecies and miracles, these things are anomalies. Mm-hmm. So they're not supposed to be like your bread and butter. You know, when you. When you come together as a church and you worship as the church, you know, the purpose of worship within the church is to honor God and bring glory to him. And, 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 uh, and occasionally uh, the spirit might move and there may be a, a word of wisdom or prophecy given. Or occasionally there might be a tongue spoken. But what does scripture say in regard to speaking in tongues? He said, if speaking in tongues occurs in the assembly... What must you have? An interpreter. An interpreter. Yeah. God is going to provide an interpreter so that the whole body might benefit from what is being given. Exactly. And, and that's, we need to see that taking place, uh, yeah. if that's to be the case. Um, also, when testing those prophecies, I feel like today there's a lot of them. People are um, doing that left and right, I feel like. But um, as you've said, the Holy Spirit doesn't glorify self, and it doesn't glorify false doctrine. Right. It right. points all the way back to Jesus every time. Yes, absolutely. So those things are there, and then he gives this uh, final note before his closing salutation. He says that uh, we are to attest everything and that we are to... Um, to uh, work towards good. Let me read it for you. 
He said, test everything and hold fast to that which is good. Holding fast, like like don't, uh, like grab onto it. Grab yeah. onto it and hang on to it. Mm. And uh, he says, don't, don't give, <coughs> sorry, don't give evil for evil. Right. You know, so don't. So we're going to conclude uh, our look today at First Thessalonians chapter 5, and we almost got all the way through it, but we've still got a couple more verses which we will pick up next week. Right now we want to uh, take on our second segment and uh, continue our discussion uh, that we've been having in regard to uh, relationship with siblings. So we've been talking about, uh, Pastor Josh and I have been talking about this issue of, uh, of a relationship, and we first started out, well, we first started out with uh, um, understanding that relationship is something to give it, that is given to us by God because, uh, because we are his creation. So we are a relational people. Mm-hmm. And last week we were talking about uh, siblings. And we were talking about the uniqueness. Well, we've spent a couple weeks here, and and uh, we want to kind of finish up today. We've spent a couple weeks here because this is probably one of the most difficult of uh, relationships uh, that we that we have to deal with in life. Mm. Because um, you know, with with your siblings, um, you know, even with uh, with you and and Justine, you know, you're you're uh, you you may get along with them. You may have a good relationship, but you you know things. You know things, and and uh, and and sometimes siblings fight. Yeah, and there's uh, jealousies and there's things that can exist which which uh, carry over from when you're children into adulthood, and yeah. it can be it can be quite devastating. Yeah, ruins the relationship. Yeah, yeah, and so and so what what needs to happen? So last week we talked about the uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. So you know, not only are you, um, you know, not only are you siblings, meaning you've grown up together from the same parents, father or mother. The days world, I guess that could mean a number of things. You know, like half brothers, half sisters, what have you. But um, but what has to happen is that uh, if each of you have come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and you're now disciples of Christ, basically what happens is, is that when, when it comes to dealing with your sibling, you have to sit down and you have to have an, an honest, open discussion about some of those issues that, uh, that are baggage that you may want to deal with. Yeah. That, that that's affecting your relationship. Yeah. Go back and address those things. Yeah, yeah, you know, ad- address them in such a way that it's a it's positive and seek forgiveness where it's necessary to seek forgiveness, clear up misunderstanding mm-hmm. where it's uh, you know, where it's um where it's present. Uh, learn to appreciate your sibling for who God has created them to be. Deal with the the uh, inadequacies of your parents, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, because, uh, you know, my, I'm, my wife and I are, are pretty savvy on a number of levels. Um, but we had to, we had to prepare ourselves when we had children. It was a, it was a long, long, long learning process. Mm. And you know, you know how it is when you, uh, you know, when you get something, you know, when you get something new, you know, when Amazon delivers you a new product and you're all excited and you unwrap that baby and take it out and you look at it, what, what do you get? You get a, a booklet of instruction. Yeah. Right. Now, now, whether you can read it or not, it's another thing. I once got a, uh, I once got a, um, a, uh, um, a, 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 a carrier, you know, to tow behind the car. Oh yeah. You know, for a flatbed terrier, you can make it into like carrying wood and, yeah. you know, carrying, and uh, you know, I bought, so it comes in a box. Weird. And so you, you unpack everything from this box and it turns into a, I you, see. an eight, uh. You know, an eight-foot-long carrier with wheels and fenders, and must have been a pretty big box. It's a pretty good-sized box, um, and but but uh, but it came with instructions, mm. except the instructions looked like they were all written in Korean. <laughs> so perhaps they were. <laughs> so so what I had to do was I had to lay out all of those pieces on the driveway. And then from the picture, construct how what how everything went together. Sometimes they, you have to buy your own hardware. Did it come with hardware at least? Yeah, I mean that's all the good. hardware is there. Okay, that's good. Yes, yeah, so, you know, and I and I didn't end up having any any missing screws or bolts. So, yeah. so I think I put it together correctly. <laughs> but but uh, when you get your kids, when they pop out, mm-hmm. no instructions. You know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and is going to be trial and error. Yeah, on yeah. putting that together. And you know, there's that great commercial that they do with, uh, you know, the uh, first baby. You know, mom and dad are just really protective, and you know, making sure you know, talking to the babysitter about nine one one and right. taking care of them, and and by the second kid, they're like, yeah, well, you know, and by the third kid, they're like, you got it. Yeah, the piece of cake. <laughs> just take so uh, with um, so so learning to bring up children for parents uh, is is uh, is an involved experience, and 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 then children, uh, you may not be aware of this, Jacob, but but children uh, go through <laughs> through phases. Just like adults go through phases. Yeah. See, in adults, you know, you hear people talk about uh, young adults, and then you hear people talk about uh, adults uh, in their second childhood. Mm. But nobody talks about the in-between, all the different phases that you go through as an adult. They just go from one extreme to the other. Mm -hmm. But children, as you raise them, they go through different phases. And and part of the task of the parent is learning how to negotiate those phases. Mm-hmm. So each phase requires the parent to learn a different skill set in order to deal with where the child is at. Yeah. 
um, I found the 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 problem that parents run into in that is that they are not um, guiding the child in their phase. Mm-hmm. It's almost reckless, and uh, they promote whatever is calling that phase to evolve into. Essentially, um, they're all for it because it's just a phase. Right. But then it turns out to be a lifestyle. Well, if if it's if it's not addressed correctly, it does. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, one of the most uh, beneficial, and I mentioned this before, um, but one of the most beneficial times that uh, my wife and I had was when our kids hit the uh, the preteen um, uh, middle school age. The uh, the principal at the middle school uh, put on a must have been a four week seminar. I mean, but um, but uh, he took material from um, from an author. The author used to be a uh, used to be a, a high uh, a middle school principal. Okay, and so he was an educator for thirty years before he retired, and so he took all of that knowledge of dealing with uh, you know preteen and and then uh, you know middle school agers. He took that and he put it into uh, a written book. And I've mentioned this before in my program, you know, how to, uh, you know, parenting with love and logic mm. or parenting teenagers with love and logic. And he talks about the, the phases that children are coming out of and then the phase uh, th- that they're now entering into and how, as parents, do you learn to negotiate that? Right. And I would say the most difficult part, this is the most, as far as child raising is concerned, this is the most critical part of child raising because of the fact that the, the, uh, the children are now coming out of what uh, he calls the necessity to have a drill sergeant and uh, helicopter parents. In yeah. other words, you tell your children what to do when they're small because they need to be told. They can't figure it out for themselves. Mm. Uh, you you uh, rescue them when they get in danger because they're incapable of rescuing themselves. So you are a drill sergeant and a rescuer at some point, and then when they hit this middle school type and they go into their teenage years, you have to change, and you can no longer rescue. Mm. You can no longer tell. You now have to become a communicator and a negotiator and learn how to communicate and negotiate so that you teach your child how to make decisions and to deal with consequence so that you learn not to rescue when a child makes a mistake even though you dearly want to yeah you have to let them suffer through their mistake and guide them through that process so that they can grow through that mm-hmm now, how's this all related to siblings? Well, <laughs> if you're not attuned to, you know, what uh, Jim Fay and his book is talking about uh, in this transition period, uh, you can have siblings which are uh, want nothing to do with each other because of the jealousies, because of fighting, because of, you know, misunderstandings that the parents facilitated, but they did so out of their own ignorance. Yeah, or inconsistencies. Well, definitely inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. And no parent's perfect. 
You know, we all, as parents, we all make mistakes because we didn't have an owner's manual. <laughs> you Your know. baby doesn't come out with instructions. That's exactly correct. <laughs> That's exactly correct. Now, you know, you can, you can, one of the benefits in the old days of having a multi-generational family was that you could learn things from the grandparents or from your parents because everybody lived under the same roof. But in the last hundred years or so, we've uh, actually moved towards, uh, unfortunately, finding disdain in what uh, our elders have to say to us mm. and not wanting to listen. And there are consequences for that. So... If you're a sibling, and you're a uh, and your sibling is a believer, so you are both disciples of Christ. The common thread that you have in working through all these issues is the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and you should be able to come together, and you should be able to reconcile to one another, to seek forgiveness from one another, to extend a a mountain of grace. To your sibling, you know, to give uh, an understanding to why it is that uh, they view things differently because every child is different and their value doesn't come from, you know, position or from gender or from talent. The value comes from the fact that, you know, you're a creation of God. Right. And God created you with talents different than my talents mm -hmm. and we need to appreciate one another and love each other in that process right what do you what do you do though if your sibling is not a believer well god's word avenges those types of things how well like for instance when you're dealing with a non-believer who is coming against you for what you know to be true God calls us to treat them with love and patience. Okay, good, so, good. And then help them in that process and letting them know that you're consistently going to hold that, um, not only to the standard that Christ put upon you, but also them as well. So you, so you work at beginning to um, seek to establish a new narrative. Right. That's Essentially right. with your... With your sibling. Yeah. So one way that you could do that is to sit down with them and talk. You know, buy them dinner, first of all. That's 100. Buy them dinner. You know, everybody likes to eat. Mm -hmm. You know, buy them dinner, their favorite meal. So let's talk. Set <laughs> let's, the tone. Let's talk. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, begin to acknowledge that, you know, maybe uh, this is, <coughs> excuse me, maybe you weren't the perfect brother or sister. You might have been, I was but crazy. I know I wasn't. <laughs> I know in my heart of hearts I wasn't the perfect brother or sister. <laughs> um, well, I was definitely wasn't the perfect sister. Mm. But <laughs> maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> yes, thank you. But I was, but I, but I definitely wasn't the perfect brother either. Um, you know, I I had uh, my issues just as my my uh, siblings did also. So. Uh, acknowledge that you know you weren't the perfect brother or sister. Mm -hmm. Acknowledge that you're now adults. Yeah. You're no longer children, and that you should be able to 
work through some of those issues that still exist and that you want to work through those issues. Right. We're not, you know, we're not, we're not having this conversation because we're doing the blame game. Mm. I'm not blaming you. I don't care whether you think mom and dad thought that you were the best or you have middle child syndrome or you're spoiled. I, I don't care about any of that. What I want to do is set a new narrative so that we can move forward. And I, because I'm a disciple of Christ, I am going to uh, operate uh, on that level from what Scripture has to say. Yeah. Now, the difficult part is that because they're non-believers, <laughs> they may just, you know, cuss you out and and uh, say that's BS. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> what do you do with that? Well, what personally, I would invite them to just take a look at it. Take a look at what Scripture has to say and have a conversation about it. Um, if they read it and have an issue, I'd like to talk about that issue too and see why there is an issue. If it's strictly because they don't understand where the origin of scripture comes from, we could discuss that. But if it's because they don't agree with what the doctrine is saying, then there's more to it that mm -hmm. we could even dive into further. So you would try to win them over? I would try to get them inside my mind so that we could share that interest together. Mm -hmm. So, okay. yeah. So, and, and you think that'd be a quick process? No. <laughs> no. It no. would take another dinner no. at least. No, another dinner, maybe two or three. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, the, so if, you are, if you're dealing with a, a non-believing uh, uh, sibling, then, you know, you as the believer... You don't need to extend a hand of grace to your sibling and uh, let them know that you want to be involved with them in a relationship. Mm. You know, let, now, if they reject that, then you're left with the position of, you know, um, I will always uh, want the relationship and it's now up to you. Yeah. But I'm I'm open and willing to be able to do that. And, and uh, that's the best that you can do. You can't make somebody, you cannot make somebody uh, be your friend. Right. You cannot make somebody uh, have a relationship with you. And when you're dealing with siblings, listen, they're blood. Mm -hmm. So they might always be your sibling, but they don't have to like you. Mm -hmm. And they don't have to be your friend. And you can't force them to do so. And so, you know, in my case, I have a sibling that, uh, you know, we've tried to deal with some of this and he wants nothing to do with me. Mm. And that's his loss. Um, when it comes to that situation, um, is there a reality where you guys can have just a conversation um, that, I mean, granted, it's probably awkward, but have a conversation at all? Or is it? now like because he decided to deny that reconciliation through god's word um there's this is kind of a weight game yeah no he wants nothing to do with me nothing at all uh, nothing at all mm -hmm. and it's you know it's sad yeah it's sad but again it's his loss 
So, you know, encourage your sibling that you want to be involved. Encourage, you know, don't dwell on those things of the past because because what you're going to be doing, your sibling may not do that, but what you're going to be doing is you're going to be what? You're going to be working to be the perfect man or woman that God has called you to be. Yeah. You're going to be going through that process of sanctification. You're going to become a, a better you. Right. And uh, and to bring glory to God in that process. And you can't let your siblings who want nothing to do with you uh, hold you back from that. Yeah. And they might not know it, but in holding back in that, it's more adding sort of like um, a, an obstacle from uh, that growth and maturity. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So. Uh, we're going to uh, continue our discussion next week with uh, uh, dealing now with <laughs> with uh, another key relationship that can bring a lot of uh, uh, difficulty to uh, participants on both sides. Uh, children uh, dealing with parentals on both sides. So we'll start the discussion, I have no doubt, that we're not going to finish that discussion. That there is a three- to four-week discussion at the very top. But it'll be a fun and interesting one, and so we invite you to uh, participate with us in that. Let's move on and finish up our uh, time today together with uh, What's Up With That? Well, I just got a couple. Uh, you're familiar with this segment, Jacob? You yeah. Know, you know, I look at all the oddities of things that are going on. Yeah, I know this song because of the segment. Yeah, now Josh always teases me that, you know, Pastor Josh, he teases me that I, I like to do animal stuff uh, because there are just so many animal anomalies <laughs> out there, you know. But uh, we're not doing animals today. Dang it. Uh, we're doing uh, some other interesting things. Well, no, that's not true. That's not true. It's not it, this is kind of an animal one, but not quite. So some old boy uh, back in Tennessee, he, uh, you know, he's an old boy. He's 84 years old. Oh. He kicked a bucket. Mm. He died. Now, he had lots of money. He was a successful southerner, and he had lots of money. And so he decided that how he wanted his money to be spent is he wrote specifically in his will that all of his money, $5 million worth, was willed to his dog. Okay. What? <laughs> now, doggone it. Yeah. What's up with that? What is that? <laughs> there's lots of ways... That money could have been put to productive use. Uh, instead, what does that he look like? uh, he gives it. Well, uh, basically, the money's put in a trust fund to, uh, you know, get the dog whatever he needs. I would just picture a doggy mansion. Yeah, you know, maybe. <laughs> so it's like you know those like those shows where the dogs do the Olympics and stuff. So he's got his own gym, everything he needs to be the best dog. Little little treadmill. Yeah, he's real top dog. You know, yeah, top dog. Yeah, he has a. <laughs> uh, he has a walker and, uh, yeah. you know, so, I mean, the, the administrator of the account, he could, th he could think up those things, <laughs> you know, 
you know? Yeah. But uh, five million to his dog. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. Like I said, that's definitely what's up with that. Okay, I got I got one more. Um, near and dear to my heart. Well, kind of near and dear to my heart. Uh, there's uh, there's uh, uh, an elderly gent. Well, not terribly elderly, but there's an elderly gentleman in uh, Ireland who belongs to the uh, International Ice Swimming Association. Okay. And and uh, and he set a record by swimming a mile in freezing water uh, in Ireland. Dang. He swam a mile in 43 minutes in uh, in uh, 41 degree water. Just with a swimsuit, just going in it. Yep. Wow. Him, and, him and his body. Jeez. And now, now, okay, I, I respect the guy. He's 66 years old. Oh, man. He's 66 in 12 days. And I just got to say that, that in a situation like this, I apply my four most favorite retirement words. I ain't doing that. Mm-mm. No way. But he had to prove that he could do it, and he swam a mile. Now, the, 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 the thing about this is that uh, at, at, at about 70 degrees, the body starts shutting down. Yeah. And at 41 degrees, it may take you like 10 or 20 minutes, but your body will completely shut down. So the normal average person um, would uh, get severe hypothermia and die in a situation like that. It's, it's not that you can't swim or tread water. It's that your muscles simply stop working. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and he, was in, he was in the water, Jacob, for 43 minutes. Oh, man. 43 minutes. So he swam a mile in 41-degree temperature water. For 43 minutes. So I con- have a hard time just getting into the river. So congratulations, old boy. But I ain't doing that. Yeah. What's that for? <laughs> what was he doing that for? Well, to, be, to prove he could. Just to do it? Yeah, it's the same way that, you know, old men wear their shirts unbuttoned down to their navel with uh, gold chains. Sure. You know, hanging around their, uh, hanging around their neck. Yeah. You okay. know, to you know, to recapture some of their youth and virility, or either that, or they take a pill mm. in order to, you know, yeah, beef them, beefcake themselves up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, you know, Pastor Monty is self-assured enough in who I am and who is God created me to be. I don't have to do stupid, crazy stuff like that in order to prove anything to anybody. That's so risky. Yeah. I don't see how I don't. I would like. I'd be interested to see his reaction when he just first got in. It's like, oh, this is cold. Uh, here we go. Well, you know, you have those. Uh, you have people you, in in the U.S., for example, back east. You have like the the polar bears club. I don't know what that is. It's over. It's over. Me. It's it's all right. You're so young. Yeah. There's so much for you to learn. Yeah, there is. The polar bears club. The polar bears club is where people, uh, you know dress down into their briefs, so you know they put on swimming trunks, and they go out and they jump into a frozen lake. Okay. Now they're just jumping in and getting yeah. wet, and then they get right back yeah, out. Yeah, and then they get right, right back out again. 
This dude, he swam a mile. Uh, I have another question. Is it like he lives somewhere where it's normal to be swimming around in freezing cold water? I would, uh, I would anticipate. It didn't go into great detail, but I would anticipate that he probably has been doing some training. He's had to. Have. You know, he's probably doing some training. Rest in ice cold water. Likes like athletes do sometimes. Yeah, right. Yeah, to, yeah. to fix their muscle issues or whatever. Yeah, well, just let's be clear that I ain't doing that either. <laughs> I don't even like the shower cold. It needs to be a perfect temperature. All right. Well, that's all I got for today. Our hour is just about up, and so I enjoyed uh, you spending time with me, and we're going to do it again next week, right? Yep. All righty. So this has been Truth Time with Pastor Monty and uh, Jacob. Uh, take away your... Uh, Take it away for your uh, Josh-like spiel. All right. So the Truth Time Podcast is a resource of Aletheia Bible Fellowship, part of its Vigilance Radio Network, our online ministry that seeks to provide helpful and interesting content for the church local and at large. If you've enjoyed this show, please make sure to like, subscribe, share, and hit the notification bell. And uh, this resource and its sister shows as well. They're easily found on Facebook and on YouTube. If you've benefited from our show today, you can always donate to us, and even a dollar a week can be put to good use. If you are poor like us, though, no worries. You can help us out by liking and sharing this content and remembering to tune in each week on Tuesdays at 11. I'm Jacob Browning, and this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. <laughs>